This episode is powered by denmeditation.com. The meditation is the primary focus. The bigger goal is for people to understand and love themselves, thus creating more harmony in the community at large. To find out more about Den Meditation's teacher training programs, retreats, and all things Den Meditation, go to denmeditation.com. Welcome to Den Talks Podcast. I'm your host, Tal, and the founder of Den Meditation. You guys, I have one of my dear friends, Elizabeth Cott, on today. She was not only the creator, but also one of the hosts of That's So Retrograde, which was an incredible podcast. It's still there. Go listen. Um, but always top of the charts. And we have her today because I wanted to specifically dive into one area that I think is so helpful for you guys and for me and for all of us, which is transition change. How do you know when to do it? So she had this podcast, which was unbelievably successful, not only with fans, but also financially. And she walked away despite what the network wanted, despite what, you know, the streaming wanted her to do, despite what other people wanted her to do, she still walked away. And so I felt like she was a perfect person to really talk to about how do you make these changes when they don't feel easy or when they don't feel clear or logically everything in your body is probably telling you to do something else. And not only do you, how do you make these changes? How do you feel in order to make them? And then what do you do in the process? So we really discuss this a lot. And I think it's important for everyone to hear. So whether you're in that period of transition of your life now, or you're thinking about it, or just know, because I guarantee there's going to be something, and it doesn't always have to be a job. It could be a relationship, but there's going to be something that you go up against where you're like, this isn't feeling right anymore. And then you stop there because you have no other information. You don't know what to do with that information. So you just ignore it. But we don't do that here, right? We're, we're the doers. We like to change and evolve. So this is a podcast for you to help you when you get to that point, how you can make these changes. She is amazing. She's so fun. She's great. She's a wealth of information. I hope you enjoy the episode. You know, we have the madame of the wellness industry. As you mm. said, you reported it on it so, so long. I mean, that's so retrograde being probably one of the first, if not one of the first wellness podcasts and then blew up like crazy. So talk about like what you've seen, the changes in the business yeah, well, it was really fascinating because we started That's a Retrograde in 2014, right sort of when podcasts too were just beginning, beginning. to – I'm not going to say they were beginning because there was a lot of shows that I had been fans of, Pop Culture Happy Hour and NPR, Hello, Sex with <laughs> Emily was around. Like there was some great shows in the medium, oh, but it was Shout out to our friend Sex with Emily. Love. Love. When we met, by the way – we were all sitting next to each other at a dinner That's party. That's true. We all became friends at the same yeah. time. <laughs> That's so, so true. But the medium was vastly different. So it was really interesting starting in 2014, talking about the wellness industry that was more, much more fringe. There wasn't like a wellness aisle at Nordstrom's at this point. There wasn't CBD at Sephora. You know, like mm -hmm. all of these things. There were no drop-in meditation studios. That's right. It was all all about to happen. So we got in at the ground floor there and also with podcasting. So it was really interesting to sort of be present for the rise of the wellness boom and also the podcast boom in tandem at the same time. Very a, a, a wild, a wild experience. 
I can only imagine. But it's funny because you, you've referred to this a few times. I've heard you say it of, oh shit, now I'm forgetting your phrase. You say a phrase where you feel like the wellness business is now like diet right. culture maybe. Is that yeah, I felt it? like a lot of, okay, so there was the guru complex absolutely that I yep. witnessed that I was not into. Also, it felt, and it was, not felt, it was a rebranded diet culture. Yes. It was this like white thinness disordered eating it it was all of these things but i think with anything that's big you can find a ton of things wrong with it but you can also find as many things that are great and helpful so it was just interesting you know 2020 was a real flip on its head for all of us and i just personally personal reasons and you know, very matter of fact reasons, I just was like, I don't have anything to say about wellness right now. In fact, I have a really hard time talking about it when we're so clearly unwell. So I kind of moved away from the wellness of it all in terms of what I'm interested in talking about. But that doesn't mean I'm not still into it personally and have like my own I mean look, you've got your like five minutes right <laughs> my in front nine thousand <laughs> beverages right here. So um, well, and I do want to talk about the you stepping away and moving away because that to me is like the main crux of why I want you on here to help people pivot because pivoting is hard yeah. and you did it so gracefully, even though it didn't feel graceful. While you did, I was it. just going to say, mm, well, <laughs> but I do want to stay on the wellness topic just for a beat because sure. I do find it fascinating because it's true. At the same time, I was feeling the same way. I remember and we were still, we were kind of ending season one of this, even though we didn't realize it was going to be season one, but we were kind of like winding down on the podcast. And I think part of it was that too. I was so disenchanted with um, just what was going on with the wellness business and with the wellness industry. Yeah. And that was also during the conspiracy theories to loop us to the beginning where so many people kind of bifurcated and it became another way to sell stuff. It was like, oh, look, I have information from above. So you need to listen to me because I'm somehow channeling information that you can't get. And now you have all the answers. And no matter how crazy some of those thoughts were, and look, I'm all for channeling. I mean, I have Paul Sella coming on, who's one of my favorite humans and favorite channelers. So I'm not anti-channeling, but there's a difference of like true channeling. And then there's a difference of pretending that a conspiracy theory is being downloaded into your head and then acting as if you're channeling it, even though so many people are getting the same information from the same place and then spoon feeding it to people as if you've become this guru that they have to listen to and they're getting privy. They're privy to this information that like no one else has access to. Right. I mean, I think, Hey, if that's your thing, like God bless, but that certainly was not what I was into. And I just saw it. It was so omnipresent. I was like, this is not I the struggled. vibe. Yeah. True. And it's interesting when you talk about the diet culture, because I got kind of like a back and forth with my friend who we agree, just like you, that the wellness business has that potential. But it's so tricky because like you also said, there are so many good things. So my problem was she posted this thing that basically was anti using the wellness business as like jumping on diets, which I'm anti it as well. But the way it was worded was food is not medicine. So stop thinking food is medicine and blah, blah, blah. And so I wrote to her, I'm like, look, you got to be careful. Cause to me, that's also simultaneously doing the same problem because food, 
I'm not saying it's the only medicine and I'm not saying it's the only medicine you should take and you shouldn't listen to Western medicine, but to also not allow people to learn the healing benefits of food and what food can do for you and how looking at food differently can also change the way your body acts. I was like, is also doing a disservice to people. Like, so it's how can, and I'm curious to know your thoughts. How can people have a broader outlook to see all of it simultaneously. You know what I mean? It's kind of almost with politics. How can we get into this version of not having to pick this lane, this lane, or this lane, and then you can't be anything in between? I don't, I wish I had a clear cut answer on that. I think for me personally, I obviously went so deep into so many different trends and exposed myself to so many different ideas, was super into one thing, then got off of it, got into another thing. So that from that, I sort of formed a toolkit, knowing what works, knowing what doesn't work for me, and then sometimes being all in on some of the things that work. And then sometimes, you know, taking my foot off the gas for a little while and just knowing thyself. I think it's like really has to do with following what intrigues you and what's interesting and going from there and just not being so heavy handed with anything um, yeah, has what's worked huge. for me. But that's also my personality too. So yeah, um, to just sort of like, if it doesn't work, it doesn't work on to the next. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So true. How do you feel like now in 2023, the wellness business is like how it's heading or moving compared to like what it was when you first started. I, then kind am, of I am loving how part of the zeitgeist is. it is. It is just cemented itself into sort of the the vernacular of our culture. And I think that's really fun, especially coming from a place of 2014. I would say for myself, like 2012 is when I got really into it and started going down the rabbit hole, shall we say, <laughs> and then really got the opportunity to talk about it on the mic starting in 2014. And as I said, like so many of these ideas were so fringe and now it's like, there's the wellness section in Sephora and just, there, it's just so mainstream. And I think that that is cool and not yeah. cool. You know, like it's, it's both, but it's been really fun. I think personally to see so many of these founders, um, you know, really make it big. And mm -hmm. for instance, you know, as, as I said, with like, as I mentioned, like I'm drinking like a Four Sigmatic in my smoothie and that brand was, you know, e-com back in the day. Yep. And now it's like on Amazon and in stores and Saqqara and, you know, all of these brands that were like very small have gotten massive funding. And, and now I'm seeing, you know, really have been researching the no ABV movement, which is the no alcohol by volume, basically like the canned mocktails that are mm -hmm. available now and seeing how big these companies are it and the funding that they're getting. I mean, it is just, and the, you know, the adaptogens that are in these, like L-theanine is in all of these products that are in our grocery stores. So it's just pretty cool. It is cool. And I think it is it's, a huge and it's just expanding. Yeah. It's just, I'm really into it. And I'm so happy that I have the basis of knowledge that I have to, as I'm doing what I'm doing now, which we can get into later, um, to really come in, I think, with 
a solid knowledge base or a solid perspective. Ooh, sure. so wait, today's the last, like we were just talking about today's last day of retrograde. Mercury's been retrograde forever. Let's chat about it for a second because that was the name of your podcast. That's so retrograde. <laughs> Is It's so funny, like talk about how mainstream, like that, like would you name that podcast the same thing now? No, <laughs> but I think it's a perfect, perfectly captured the vibe of then. Yep. For sure. Like I I'm obsessed with the name. I think it's so fun. Such but a good it's name. not it's not doesn't resonate now. That's so funny. Isn't that funny when you think about it? Yeah. I but I I'm such a name person. I you know, I had a long time I had a online consignment business for a long time that was called Closet Rich. Obsessed with that name too. Wouldn't name anything that now, but it worked at the time. Yeah, you're great. I always text you stuff. I'm like, what do you think about this? And usually like two days later, I'm like, I hate that. Why did I even send it to her? <laughs> like, but you are so good. I with, love like... naming stuff. It's my favorite. It's one of my favorite I know. pastimes. Who named your dog? Joey, my fiance named the dog. And then there's a new dog coming into the family <gasps> that my parents are getting. I'll send you a picture. It's She's so cute. And I didn't come up with this name. My mom workshopped it with her friends, but this shows <laughs> – that Workshops. I where it where it comes from. I, I I feel like I inherited this trait from them. Maya papaya. Oh, very cute. Maya yeah. papaya. I'm weirdly I'm bad at naming like I joked my old job and you know when I worked in television and they'd be like, okay, we need a name for the show. And not that it was my job, thank God. That wasn't but it was part of the job. Right. I was always like, I am the worst at this. Like when it comes to like naming the show or this and worse. However, I can name pets I'm good with like names of people. I have found out like a lot of nicknames I have for people are the nickname everyone starts using for that person. So I think when it comes to like people or things, like I can name it. But when it comes to like a website, it's got, like naming the den was really hard. But when it came, it was absolutely it correct. Clicked. Yeah. It clicked. But like titles, oh, not good at it. I mean, being able to nickname people, though, is a strong attribute. So oh, thanks. if you have that, then <laughs> I'm good. you're halfway there. Yeah, I'm yeah, halfway yeah, there. For sure. So wait, so that's so great. Let's talk about it. So what's it like where you have one of the top podcasts out there? And as you know now, people are just so jealous of that because everyone's coming out with a podcast, everybody and their mother. And part of the problem with COVID. COVID, as far as podcasts are concerned, everyone famous started doing a podcast because what else are they doing? And so, of course, they're going to get an immediate audience. So everyone else who kind of was love this medium really struggles to get the audience that they would like, unless there's a huge hook or a huge story, but they, they struggle. Um, so here you are, <clears throat> where you guys come in, you guys have an enormous podcast with a huge audience, making money, having advertisers, like you are one of the pinnacles of what people look to. Talk about what it's like to decide not to continue with something like that. I think you have to be, at least for me, I have to be really excited about doing something. And when that excitement goes away, but I knew I had the skills to create something that would excite me, that was really what helped me decide to move on. Because podcasting, yes, it's being on the mic for an hour. But there's, for me, who mm -hmm. produces and 
runs the edits and all of those things that go to promotion, to to topic planning, like all of those things. There's so much work that goes on behind the scenes. And a lot of times with, as you mentioned, like the celebrity trend of it all, they're just showing up to the mic and they're doing it. I love the full process. Mm-hmm. I love everything that has to do with creating a world around a show. And I think if you're not and, – and it takes so much time and so much creative energy that if I'm not into that world anymore, it's time to go. And I think that that remains true with anything that we're doing, that if you're doing something for the check, God bless. That's amazing. If you can – if that works for you, cool. I – I guess it might be a little bit of delusion, but I think to myself, okay, if I did this one time, I can do it again. And there's been so many stop starts in my life. I've started in fashion. I worked for Rachel Zoe. I launched the Zoe Report. I was fired. That was a huge heartbreak at the age of 25. I then worked at CAA for, on a desk for an agent, got fired from that job. <laughs> How long did you last on that desk? Four months. <laughs> but it was the perfect four, four months, months because I learned how to roll calls. I learned how to manage somebody's schedule. I learned how to do expenses, like all of these things that really helped me as a business owner down the line. I learned how to be a good boss because yep. there's so many shitty bosses there. Yep. So I learned <laughs> what not to do. And then I started, as I mentioned, a consignment business where I worked with different stylists and their talent to basically get rid of the clothes that they no longer needed. I would sell them online. And then I worked with niche charities in the Los Angeles area to help disseminate the stuff that wouldn't sell. I've always sort of done a bunch of stuff. So at the time, obviously, it's a hard decision, but when it's not working, it's not working. And that honesty and that faith in oneself is a really big component. And um, it was really important for me to take some time to regroup and figure out my next move. I wasn't, I physically was so burnt out that I, doing a weekly show for six and a half years a lot. with no breaks is nuts and I will never do that again. Talk about, and because then I want to go into all of this in more detail. Yeah. But talk about how that starts to feel. Because I think a lot of people, we get into our own head. um, Mm -hmm. And especially when, like you were saying, it wasn't working for you anymore. It wasn't, you know, it, it wasn't exciting you the way it did before. Talk about how that feels. Because I think most people just easily go to, you just start doing the blame game, right? Like in certain jobs. It's like my boss sucks or I, my coworkers are the worst or I just hate now they're only having me do this and I don't like it's so easy to start getting to the blame game and not that that yeah. doesn't exist. But truly, usually it's your body's way. You're re- you become very reactive because you're not at peace with where you are anymore. You're not supposed to be where you are anymore. So talk a little bit about what that meant for you. Like how did the you feeling. notice like feelings in your body or oh. ways that how you felt like when you would have to either maybe go record or when you were doing behind the scenes stuff or like all that work, when you're doing all the work, how did you notice it changed for you when you were doing the work versus four years prior? Well, first and foremost, to have a podcast that is successful is a massive gift. 
gift. To have an audience that gives you their time every week is I I can't express how special that is. And I didn't take that for granted, but I think it's really important, especially with the topic of the show. It's would have been going against everything that I'd been talking about in the conversations that we'd been having on air for years if I stuck with something that for many reasons was no longer working for me. And um, it was an interesting experience moving away from that. There's a, there was a multitude of reasons. As I said, mainly a reason is like the topic was just like, it was a really hard thing to talk about wellness in 2021. <laughs> like, we're just coming out of 2020. The, as we mentioned at the top of the show, there was a lot of focus on misinformation that made me very uncomfortable. It was really came down to like a value system experience for me. And it was a tough decision for a lot of reasons. I can't but imagine it, but, when you're looking, you have like, most people say you're looking a gift horse in the mouth, I'm sure. Right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Did you have people say that to you? Like, what the fuck? Are you, like, like you said, it's a huge gift. You had a loyal audience. I that did, only... but I, I also know when something doesn't feel right and it's time to move on. So that's what I want. So talk about the feeling. I think that. I mean, in juxtaposition, if you're feeling so shitty doing something that's so wonderful, meaning having a show with an engaged audience, there's something off. Mm -hmm. And I felt I wasn't – I just wasn't happy. I wasn't feeling creatively lit up. I felt like there were a lot of issues behind the scenes that were irreparable. And the only thing that I could really do was move on. So now let's talk about the next tiny little step because for the audience, I know 85% of you have been here before, for sure. Not necessarily having one of the top podcasts ever, but in a job, any job, it doesn't matter what it is, where you went from being so excited on that first day and really maybe loving that job to whatever years later, months later, it doesn't even matter, not being happy. And like I said, maybe playing the blame game a little bit, but not being happy. And maybe you get to a point, I always call you Cot, but like Elizabeth got to. <laughs> you can call me Cot. Cot, Cotty. Um, that she got to where you're like, okay, maybe this isn't right. But same thing. Maybe you have a great paycheck that's holding you back. Maybe the situation involves family members, or maybe it's super easy, or maybe you just have no clue what else to do. Talk about that little minuscule part where you may have a moment of clarity because we're always talking to ourselves, right? Our higher self is always there, but it can last a, it can last a millisecond, right? And then we shut it yeah. down and our brain takes over, right? And our brain in this area is going to take over with logic, stuff like you have a very successful, lucrative career, or you're good, or you have bills to pay for your kid or whatever it is. Or for you, it's like, this is a top podcast. Why would you walk away from it? You know, you have it down pat. And talk about when that fear comes in also, like, well, what the fuck am I going to do next? Talk about how you, what you did to help you actually cut the cord because you're, you cut the cord and it wasn't like you had something lined up, which right. most people don't. So talk about that. 
I think a big part of that for me is I do a journal practice every morning and it's really hard to ignore things that aren't working in your life when you're meeting yourself on a page every single day. How long do you write So I do three pages, one page front and back and one other page. And so that could be like super fast if you're in that zone, but it could take a long time. So it's not about time. It could take a long time. Yeah. I mean, honestly, also if I'm – so I do – I'm – I do the Julia Cameron morning pages practice, which is three pages. But if I'm in a hurry or if I am not feeling it, I make sure I just at least sit down with a pen and paper and maybe a to-do list comes out. Mm -hmm. I just need to meet with myself in the morning with a pen in my hand and connect in some way to set my day off or else I feel it. Can you talk about any – and I'm sorry. I feel like I just interrupted you. But can you talk about any – times where you remember in that time sitting down to meet yourself and something really surprised you that came back? A million times. <laughs> Usually on page three, the first two are like pretty surface and then you go, oh, we're talking about that. Got it. Okay. But if something, what I found, it, it just, it's impossible to not reveal your truth if you're writing from your heart and head every day. So that was the one thing like, oh, there's a fucking theme here. What am I going to do about it? That was a big thing. Um, also, having just people in my life who recognized that I was struggling and were lovely enough to hold a hand out and say, listen, like, I know this is really scary, but you can do this and whatever you do, we've got you. Hmm. Those two things were massive. Now, let's talk about number two, because number one, there you guys got it. I mean, that's an amazing piece of advice and something we can all do, all of us. But number two. And if three pages starts feels too much, just start with a page. You'll be surprised you might make it to two, and then you might end up at three. But just start. It's the best thing that I can do for myself. It's like when the you, one and only thing. When you do a full three pages, is it always, I don't want to say cohesive because when you're writing, it's not always, but is it always kind of streaming thing or do you kind of start and stop? Can it be totally different thoughts through three pages? Start and stop. No rules. I For me, what helps me is if I need to just sort of like ground down to get started, I'll just sort of do some observational writing. What day is it? What's the weather like out? out? What noises am I hearing? What smells? Like sort of like a sensory recollection. And then what do I have going on? And today, like what? what's the plan? And then it sort of flows from there. Okay. So that's number one. So number two, did you reach out to people? How can people ensure that they have that support system around them? I think – you got to tell people in your life what's going on. You got to be honest. You'll be inter- it'll it's always interesting and I found, you know, not with this situation just in life, like it's really interesting with the people who love you when you tell them what's going on, they might have some insight because they're with you. Mm-hmm. They know. So I just think like having s- some not being afraid to have some deep convos with some trusted people is can be really helpful. Feedback and support 
are two really big things when you're making just a big change in your life. What did you do with, and, and maybe you didn't have this, but I'm assuming you had it somewhere. What did you do with the people that you went to confide in and had kind of the opposite, like the disbelief of like, do you think this is a smart move? I didn't have that. Mm. The only people that dissuade me from the idea were people who had financial interest in it, to be honest. Okay. But that's yeah. interesting. So people need to think about that when you're talking to someone. Talk about what their interests are. You need someone whose interest is just yours. Yeah. And I do think it's also important to remember where some people come from. Because I know at one time in my life, I think when I was going through my divorce, and my mom gave me a piece of advice, which is not normally the piece of advice she would give me. It wasn't even advice. She was questioning me, being like, are you sure you want to do this? You're getting older. Don't you want to have kids? Blah, blah, blah. All the things to keep me kind of fearful, which is not normally my mom. And I had the wherewithal to know she was doing it out of fear of just wanting to make sure her daughter yeah. was okay. And I, could, I called her on it, not in a bad way. I just said, mom, and I've, I've talked about this story on here before. I've said, mom, everything you're saying, I've, I've gone through in my head already. And I've realized that if I choose to stay for all those reasons, which are valid things to think about, that I'd be choosing fear. And you're the one who taught me, you out of everyone taught me not to do anything out of fear, to be strong and to be, and to go for it. And it was funny. She shut up <laughs> because like here I was kind of giving back her strength to her because she was having a moment of like what we sometimes have when you're made, choosing something scary. And I was grateful that I could see that it was coming from fear versus being like that easily could have gone a different way of like, either I could have listened, right? And I could have also reacted out of fear or two, I could have been mad at her. Like, how dare you do this, blah, blah, blah. But instead it was understanding, okay, they're trying. So I think that goes a little bit to where you're speaking from too. You have to really trust that your body doesn't lie. Your feelings don't lie. If you're really not happy somewhere, it, it, you got to find a way. That's right. So now let's go to this next part <laughs> as we walk through it, because I do feel like this is so relatable for people. You've somehow cut the cord, but you don't have anything. Talk about that idea of like not having anything. What do you do? do? Are you in panic mode where you feel like you have to figure it out right away? Talk about that. Because I think, again, for a lot of people, now look, I know, and you and I discussed this before, this is very privileged. Like some people financially, you don't have this choice. Like you need to always have one thing after another. We get this. Like we understand that. And I also don't have children. Yep. So I'm an independent. I can, and I thank God I had a business advisor for years who guided me on saving and I saved more than I spent for a very long time. So I had a cushion where I could take some time. And side note, anybody making cash right now, put some away for rainy day. It's, <laughs> it is obviously, you know, advice is old as time, but that was what allowed me to really take my foot off the gas, heal from burnout, and be able to to plan my next steps. So it gave you a little cushion. Yeah. And so talk about like you make this choice. What does it feel like? Give me life in the head of Cot 
week one, two, and three. So good. <laughs> and here's the thing, which kind of goes to step two, which I wanted to mention also. And this is like where the woo side of me comes in a bit. But I'll, I would wake up in the morning. I say, show me a sign that this is the right decision. And I think it was the day after I recorded the last episode of So Retrograde, somebody came out of the woodwork and said, you know, I do creative advising, you know, this tall. And somebody hired me to advise them on a project the day I stopped. And I was like, oh, there's my sign. It's going to be yeah. all good. And I mean, you are like, look, it's so interesting because so much of what allowed that podcast to be so successful, all these skills, and I'm sure you honed through it, but also you brought to it, you're still using all the time. You're just using them in different ways. And so when you left, did you have clarity at all on what you thought you might want to do or no? No, <laughs> nothing. I was like, I don't think I will have another creative idea ever again, let alone have the energy to put action towards it. I truly was I was in such a, I was coming from like negative battery juice. It was all gone. It was just, I was burnt out. I, I needed to just rest. Let's talk about the idea of rest. Yes. Cause I think, I think we, I mean, I, I don't underestimate it. I understand it. I don't partake in it as much as I should, I should say. I'm very aware of how important it is. But it's it's amazing how my brain does not always allow me to rest. And that's my, my biggest battle, which I work on and I'm still working on. But I think everyone really struggles with that. But especially in a period like this where panic can ensue, where you have nothing. There's a few things. Talk about identity. How did it feel identity-wise going from having a show like that to then not even knowing what you're going to do next? I think there's identity. I think there's just the idea of financial. There's all these things that your brain and your ego kick in of making you want to go immediately to the next thing. So A, I want to talk about identity, but I also want to talk about that idea of why rest is so important. Yeah. So identity. Yeah. It's very cool and ego stroking to have a show, to have, um, People listen to it. All those things that I mentioned. It is lovely. It's a gift. It is can really put a little pep in your step. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> it was very wonderful to realize who I was without any of that. It was such a gift. And I felt like for a year plus, I was able to focus on my relationships. I was able to work on areas of myself that needed healing, that needed attention, that needed to step up, needed to level up. And I feel like my whole working career, my whole working life was that side, that always was put so far above every other aspect of my life, whether it be my relationships, my friendships, my home life, my family, and to then not have the work side and be able to make those other elements, putting those at the forefront, shifted my entire perspective and sort of shifted completely how I walk through life. 
in a for the positive because I think to understand that career isn't everything was a big lesson for me. Is that, was that a big, what, what, when you were like to get time to myself to learn who I was, what about you surprised you the most? Tal coming in with the questions today. <laughs> Making you think. <sighs> what surprised mm -hmm. me the most? Um, how happy I could be without any of those mm. things. Like I've always had like fancy career titles. I feel like I came out of the womb with like, like I was literally <laughs> like watching Fame, the musical movie and was like, I'm going to be something. Like I was like that kind of like yep. <laughs> energy my whole life. I get it. Overachiever just like really had this vision for wanting to make my mark. And that's beautiful and wonderful. And I feel so proud of the things I've accomplished. But to just move that out of the equation and show up for people in my life, how can I help? How can I, how can I show up for you? What do you need? That felt amazing. And I think what I've been able to do is hold on to that lesson thus far as I've moved back into working and un like once and try to maintain a balance that I never had before. But I also, I, th I think maybe too, it's just with age, 37 now, I started working, started my career when I was 20. So it's a, you know, a long time. It's time to evolve. When do you feel like in this kind of rest period and, you know, reassessing yourself, when do you feel like if you had to put a time on it, when you started to feel that itch of like, okay, I might be ready. And like the ideas started coming back and like, then like, how long was it? It was a year before I really felt ready to go. But throughout that year, as I said, I did various consulting work and I started on some ideas that will be coming into fruition this year, but it was like a real take the foot off the gas year that was scary and beautiful all at the same time. And when the foot started to go back on the gas, how did it feel? Amazing. Yeah. I was like, oh my gosh, I have all these skills that have just been dormant and they're ready to go. It was really like, so I lead these artist way groups and I did, I led two of them in that year off and it was kind of coming out as I was organizing these groups and leading them. I was writing the most in-depth emails and putting together charts and all like just really I was like you needed access I'm like somewhere. there is something I'm needing to use Google Docs for something like it was so it was, it was brimming oozing. to the surface yes throughout but then once once I really was ready it just flowed through in the best way where it felt so exciting and I understand that things don't always maintain their excitement. I get that. And that doesn't yeah. always mean you should walk away from it. But it feels very empowering to 
leave something and not feel like you're putting something down for in a negative way, but feeling like you have a mountain of experience to move on to your next thing. I love how you put that. And is there also this idea of, I mean, look, we all know in theory that nothing's permanent, right? And we all know in theory, everything has its day. Everything has a cycle. We rarely live by that though. We live by holding on with like clawed hands to everything, relationships, friendships, people, jobs, you know, everything, phases of life. So is there something in knowing like or feeling that the balance was right in the sense like you rode the wave how it was supposed to be ridden you know what I mean it's like because you were saying you didn't go down with it you didn't you weren't you left before you started kind of you know bringing it to past where it was supposed to go for you right so you're, the question is like did that does that feel like, better than just like running something into the ground? Or how does it feel like in a, well, yes, of course it feels better than <laughs> running something in the ground, but like, how does that feel? This idea of being so, or how did you know, like to be so in line with that? Because I feel like in theory, we all want to be in line with that. And we all understand that that's what's happening in our lives. But so rarely are you just like, you know, you hear people do it with relationships all the time. They're like, it just took its course and we're best friends now right. because we didn't let it get to this place. And we know that this is why we're in each other's lives. It's only, but it's the sure. same thing with your podcast or with a job to be able to, you know, know when the train gets to that station and yeah. it's time to walk off and not keep taking the train. There's something really interesting about that. Yeah. I always like equate it to, this is a little dark, but like <laughs> at the party when there's that time where like everybody starts like you either go home or everybody is just getting into like harder drugs drugs yeah and there's that vibe where it just like you feel the tonal shift and you're yes. like eh, you're like past I call it pumpkin time yes. it was pumpkin time like everything was going to turn into a pumpkin it's time to go right. always good to get out before pumpkin time that's right it's right and, and and I think also for people to know it's okay to get out before pumpkin time. Like you're not, no one's winning awards for length. You know, I feel like they think the longer you do something, the better. Yeah. I feel like the real reward in life is just feeling aligned. Right. Wow. Yeah. I mean, if we all can get to that point on a daily basis, that's pretty big. Sorry for the interruption, but one reminder, a beautiful reminder that, you know, this podcast are connected to denmeditation.com, right? Where we offer you so much. You can always go deeper into your own practice. There are so many certifications and courses coming up throughout the spring and the summer. We have psychic mediumship coming up. There's intuitive healing. Also my course, Journey Around the Medicine Wheel, I'd love for you to join me, um, which is an incredible shamanic course that starts in October. So look up all of those, but also just check it out. What classes do you want to take with us? What do you want to learn? What workshops are you craving? Whatever you need, we're here for you. That is the whole point. How can we all learn more about ourselves? How can we grow past anything that is holding us back? How can we shed it and move forward? And each one of these courses and certifications, workshops, classes, teachers, all of that is here for you. So can't wait to see you at something. Continue to grow this community together. We love each and every one of you, and we love what we're all doing together. biggest thing that I want to communicate is just how valuable it is to just give yourself space. It's so mm -hmm. easy to go, 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 especially if you have 
kids and a million commitments and all of those things, but the healing takes place in the quiet and in the not doing. And obviously that's such a gift to be able to allow yourself time for that. But without that, it's really, really hard to see a clear picture of where you are and where you want to go. But I think that's such a beautiful thing to hone in on because it goes back to that space. Like, don't be afraid to rest. Like you said, it was, yes, parts of elements were coming out and oozing out and you needed to find outlets for stuff. But in general, it was like a year you gave yourself a year. And I get that. Like when, especially when I was in my old corporate job, I'd do these two week vacations and people were always like, I can't believe you're taking two weeks. I'm like, it's not even enough. It was like only right. after, it was only after a week or nine days could my brain actually shift into even a different type of pattern where right. it wasn't like checking or this or that. And then you, you get like four, four to five, like gem days where you're like, ah, and then all of a sudden you have to start thinking about getting back into it. Yeah. So it's like, I'm like that. It's actually not enough time to disengage your brain. So it's like taking two weeks in between jobs or this. Now, granted, we understand sometimes you have to, or sometimes you know what you're doing next and that's the line. But if you're in this place of your life of, I feel like I'm supposed to be doing something different and you don't know what it is. The whole point of this episode is, you know, to be part of that support system that Kat had of saying, you're going to be okay and take the time. Yeah. Um, also, I want to say too, yes, I have a career in podcasting and all of those elements. So part of my advising is I consult on other people's shows and all of that. And that felt like very obvious and like, okay, I can use that skill to help others and monetize it and all of that. Great. But something that came out of that year was I started consulting and creating for influencer, creative influencer send outs for Prime Video, which was so something I would have never Love that. thought Love. of. So, and what in, what's interesting is my career in Los Angeles started in PR, mainly in celebrity gifting. So we did celebrity gifting suites for award shows. And so that was like straight out of college, Elizabeth. But that was a lot of what my basis in the industry was. And also sitting where I sat in the podcast world and all of that, I've been on the receiving end of a lot of these influencer activations and influencer gifting and yada, yada. So I have a really interesting sort of both sides of the coin experience of what it's like to create an experience in promotion of something, but also be on the receiving end. And that all of a sudden is become a side of my career that I, or a new part of my career or a more dialed in aspect of my career that I didn't even recognize as a skill or recognize as something that I could pursue. And it came out of thin air with mm. a friend who had gotten this job and asked me to partner with her on it. So I closed out last year with that job for a movie on Prime Video where we did like 65 customized influencer baskets in promotion of a movie that we hand put together. We handled all the logistics, the delivery in LA and New York and Austin and all of these things. And it came out of the blue. And I had the most fun. 
Mm. And there's just something so special because about just you never know. And I think sometimes you never know can feel really heavy and really hard and a little scary, but you it also has a lightness to it as well of like you never know what greatness is around the corner when you put down something that's not so great. Mm, that's a statement. I love that. And it's true. And I think space is what allows for those things to come in. Right. Because I know, same thing, when I opened up the den, it's like I went from being a TV exec. And now granted, like there was a lot of producing in there to opening up a business that I had no fucking, I had no clue. It was totally different, but it was like my skill set weirdly worked to it. And then my interest in real estate of stuff I'd been doing like for so long, it's like all of it weirdly came together. And then just my woo woo, you know, and it, and it's, yes, a ton I had to learn and a ton of new stuff I had to do, but who knew? I never would have guessed that that's something that would have been a logical next step, but it, you, I think to, her point is you you don't realize how many skill, useful skills you have sometimes because we we compartmentalize them depending on the job. And then what space allows you to not compartmentalize them anymore. It just becomes part of you. How long was your break between leaving your TV executive job and opening the den? I'd say it was about, was it about seven months before I was like, okay. I'm going to do this. You know what I mean? And then a lot of the behind the scenes stuff started happening. And then, and then it was like a little bit of a slow trickle. I'm trying to think. It was about seven months and then the behind the scenes stuff happening, but same thing. People didn't get it there. I would get job offers and job offers and entertainment. And I'm like, no, 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 I'm taking a break. And everyone's like, what does that mean? Like I would literally get that all the time. It is not something that is. Okay. It feels Understood. okay. It felt kind of naughty. Yes. When you're like, going what do you through mean? it. I mean, I've told and this it's... story before too. I got a job offer and I said, no, 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 I'm taking a break at least. I said at least three months. And they were like, sure. And they called me back two weeks later to follow up. And I was like, wait, I said minimum three months. They're like, oh, we thought you were kidding. Like they really just couldn't comprehend. And I was like, and once I got to three months, I'm like, three months is honestly not. Again, it goes to that thing. You're just starting to change the way your brain thinks. That's right. It's just it. Like in three months is the first time you're starting to disengage. The identity starts shifting. Everything starts shifting. I was like, it's minimum six in my mind. Honestly, a year is great if you can do it, but it's, um, you, yeah, it was funny, but sorry, go ahead. I, yeah, same thing. I was like, no, I'm taking a break and nobody believes me. <laughs> yeah. It, I just, to your point, it just feels, um, it's not something that's, talked about. And I think too, there's something about, there's this kind of like quiet energy of women in the workplace of like, and I'll just say this, I felt this, like, I'm just happy to be here. So I'll overextend myself completely to prove my worth. And then, so then to like exit away seems counterintuitive. Yes. It's, you have to really, and this is like, uh, where like, you have to do a lot of work on yourself because at the core, and it goes to your point too, of just knowing what you feel, you have to so strongly believe in yourself and so strongly believe that you're going to be okay, no matter what, that it doesn't matter what people think. Cause I'm with you. I think societally, 
it's in our head that you're either quitting or your tail's between your legs or something else is going on. Like it can never just be as simple, like, no, I'm shifting or I need a change. And you have to be okay to walk through that yeah, and not give a shit what the chatter is. Right. And it's okay to just quiet quit something and quiet quit. <laughs> a quiet quit. A QQ. Exactly. Did you do a QQ? Oh my God. I'm working <laughs> on a QQ. Sure did. <laughs> um, you're amazing. I love this. And I'm so grateful. Do you want to talk about more? I know we talked about all, some of the stuff. Do you want to talk about more stuff about what you've been doing now? I know you had two niche come out. Two niches out, which is truly the most fun I've had doing a show just because it's so much more who I am and, and plays to all of my interests. I think one of the things that I've always been, if I may say, you realize this when you take time off, you realize what your skills are. I have always been really good at identifying trends and that's really what that's so retrograde was. I identified the trend of wellness and went so deep into that one world of trends. With Too Niche, I'm able to dedicate one episode each to a trend of interest with my co-host, Laura Marie Shane Halls from Sexy Unique Podcast. If anybody is a Bravo pop culture fan, it is the show. It's so good. And so it's a trend haul show where we each episode is a topic and we haul that topic. So we started with sparkling water and we hauled Love. 15 different sparkling waters. We then um, – we did like we, – we launched during the holidays of 2022. It did a soft launch then. So we did the Goop gift guide and hauled that Goop gift guide. We went and did the American Girl dolls from the 90s. Um we even did Housewives singles. I mean, it's really all over the map, but it is not, but it is so me and so speaks to where I am now and where my interests lie now, which I just love picking a topic and just like going as deep as possible on it. So we're getting history, we're getting information, we're getting pop culture. It's all of those aspects that are akin to what I like to listen to. It is so you, and it is really funny, and you're amazing at what you do. And I have one more question. We usually start yeah. the episode with this, but let's finish it. If you could use one word to describe where you were five years ago or who you were five years ago, and then another word to describe who you are now, what would it be? Mm. I feel like I was like floaty five years mm. ago. Now I feel grounded. Okay. And yeah. I think this conversation totally illuminates that. Yeah. Floaty is, I don't know another word for it, but just sort of like up here. Yeah. Now I feel more rooted. And there's nothing wrong with floaty. You get a good point of view from there. So then you knew where to yeah. plant. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. You knew, where, you knew where to plant those roots. I hate one word description, any questions. So I did my best. <laughs> you did great. <laughs> <laughs> You're amazing. I think this is a very help, helpful episode. I, I hope think. so. I, hope I think there's that, a lot of transition happening. Anybody's listening and I just want to 
if anyone's listening and relates to a feeling of needing to get out of something that they're in situation, you can do it. You've got us. We can be your first two support systems. Exactly. In, exactly. in step two, in step two, step two. You, you have us come back to the episode and listen to it. That's right. Um, yeah. You're amazing. Everyone stay tuned for her personal practice. Love you. Always love talking to you. And just I love you so much. You're the best. Thank you for having me. Mwah. Mwah. Okay. So now Elizabeth's going to lead us in her personal practice, which is something you can do every single month that really sets the tone and can help you create. Okay. Hi, everybody. Okay. So this is a practice that was taught to me at the beginning, or I'm sorry, at the beginning of this year. And I've taken it with me monthly. And not only is it fun, and not only is it just sort of like a a great way to connect with some other people in your life, but it just yields some pretty incredible results. So I'm coming out as a vision boarder, everyone. I vision board. It's a little embarrassing to say, little middle school girl, but I do it. And here is the method. So it's digital vision boarding. And what I do is I like to do this alongside a friend or two. So we usually will connect at the end of each month or at the beginning of the month and talk about sort of what we want to call in for the month ahead, what energies we're working with, what tactile goals we're setting out for ourselves. And then after that conversation, and you can certainly have that conversation with yourself, but it's always fun to bring a friend in the mix. Then I head over to Pinterest and based off of the list I put together, I pull some images that represent those goals, those feelings, those ideas. And then I make a folder and I save that folder onto my desktop. And then I head over to Canva, which is, you can also use Photoshop. I'm not inept in in that. So I recommend Canva because it's super intuitive, but basically you just make a collage off of all those Pinterest images. And sometimes I'll add words in or quotes or, you know, whatever just is speaking to me. And I really try to connect with it. And I really know I'm done for the month with that collage when I have like this like euphoric sort of excitement every time I look at it. Like I really try to tap in to the feeling that the collage for the month has given me. And then I'll save it as the background of my phone or the background of my desktop. And then just repeats itself. And I always love to send the vision board picture to my friend and then we'll kind of talk about it at the end of the month and just sort of have like some accountability with it. But that's the practice. And you guys, it works. I mean, maybe I'll go through and show you what I did in January of this year for the year ahead, because literally if I were to check off each image, like we're already almost done. So it's really exciting. Like all the images have been realized. So it's just fun. I recommend it. So enjoy, take it with you, spread the word.